Good morning, Hope Community Church. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, I want you to go ahead and grab those and turn in them to Acts chapter 13 and kind of put your thumb there. We'll come back to that in just a minute. What I want to do is begin this morning with a bit of a thesis statement. Um, we hear news from around the world of our brothers and sisters in Christ facing many dangers. Places that they live where they are shunned, beaten, jailed, and even killed for professing their faith in Jesus and sharing their faith in Jesus. And yet, in those places, the gospel seems to flourish. The gospel seems to be growing. So, I want to submit to you this morning two even more dangerous places for a disciple of Jesus to live. Two places more dangerous than North Korea, Somalia, the Sudan, and Libya combined. I would like to submit to you this thesis that for a disciple of Jesus and a church, the two most dangerous places for us to live are on the island of isolation and inside the dangerous borders of complacency. These two places, isolation and complacency, are where disciples, churches, and the advancement of the gospel go to die. It's where they go to emaciate, where they gradually begin to decline in their effectiveness and in their zeal and in their vigor, and eventually they just quit. So this morning, in an attempt to help all of us, many of you in this room, to get off of the island of isolation, I want to bring up some ladies from my community group. Actually, it's Jen's community group I attend and as these guys are coming forward and taking their places, I want to share a few things with you guys from the Bible that will help you, I believe, understand. Look, it is clear from God's Word. It is clear from God's Word that we are meant to live in relationships. We are meant to live with others. From Genesis, where God said that it's not good for Adam to be alone, to in the Gospel of John, when Jesus prays that we are to love one another, all the way to where the Apostle Paul tells the church of Galatia that we need to bear one another's burdens to the last book of the Bible in Revelation where we notice that there are people from every tribe and every nation together worshiping Christ. We see that we are not supposed to live this faith. We are not supposed to live in Christianity in isolation. In the Bible, it shows us that with each other, in a group, not in isolation, we learn to do these things. Disciples can do these things only with others. They mature in their faith. They find encouragement and acceptance. Only in group and with others will you learn to forgive, to confess sins, to serve, to display humility, to learn to be devoted. How can you learn to be devoted to someone alone? In groups, we learn to be hospitable. We learn to comfort and be comforted. I watched this week 
the Bible come alive as I watch the Hamrick family comforted by their community group, their disciples in Christ that loved them and loved on them. I watched them comfort them, and I watched the Hamricks comfort others. I watched the Bible come alive. I saw this. Wonderful. Also in groups is when we learn that iron sharpens iron. It can't sharpen itself alone. And only in groups is where we learn that a disciple can grow in his faith and extend the gospel to where it's not. So I've asked these ladies to come up this morning. Um, they're known as the Yahyas, okay, in our community group. And I tell you what really God used this to stir me for these guys was um, I saw their text messages just come dinging in. My wife's phone all the time. It was ding, 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 ding. Couldn't go to sleep. Ding, ding, ding. And I started to look at them and, and just being nosy, to be honest with you, I, started, I saw it was the Yahyas. That's the name of the group. And so I started reading the threads. Hilarious. Hilarious. But then I started reading through them and noticed that it was almost every day they were in contact with one another over something. And I thought, man, everybody needs to have a group like this. So they have reluctantly came this morning, and they're going to answer a few questions. So thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. Um, the one on the end is my wife. She's about to throw up. <laughs> So please pray for her that that does not happen. Actually, pray for us that that doesn't happen. <laughs> hey, so uh, question number one here. Look, um, did any of you guys grow up in a community group in church like, like, like y'all have now? As a young person, um, my loved ones did not take me to a home specifically to talk about the love of Jesus and show that in every day, dinner preparing, eating together, um, playing games, doing a Bible study, we went to church, the building. And I think that it just wasn't the opportunity, the opportunity wasn't there. So this radical idea of um, going once a week to a person's home um, to meet and gather, to learn and enjoy each other is amazing. And that's something we were talking uh, a few weeks ago at, at Jen's house about this. And I, I, I grew up, in, how many of you guys grew up just in Sunday school? You just went to Sunday school and that was it, right? And it, we never, I never met in the home. My mom and dad never went into somebody's home so I could see Christianity lived out. That never happened, so it was a new thing, but it's a wonderful thing that we said. How much has the group been an encouragement, a source of encouragement to you? This is, Holly, by the way, that's Leah Ledford. This is Holly Styers. I was about Thank to say, yeah, 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 okay, Holly. <laughs> yep. Um, yes, tremendous. It took a lot of encouragement for us to even get up here today, to step out of our comfort zone and just get up here and talk about one another and, um, whether it's, you know, we need laughter or we need prayer, we need love, whatever it is, we're all there for one another. Um, no matter when it is, just we're always there together and just um, sharing in one another's burdens. And I don't think that source of encouragement just comes when we meet right. on a no. Sunday night. I mean, it is right. week. I mean, it is daily. It's, daily. it's on Sometime, a daily basis. Yeah, and I mean, the text that I hear coming in, that they're, they're there all the time. Right. Um, another question. Um, what avenues have you guys as a group been able to serve in together? 
Um, we've served in a couple different ways together. Um, Ashley's kind of headed up some of the 5Ks that we've had here, and, and some of us have helped her with that. We have, some of us have worked, um, have volunteered at Operation Christmas Child together. We've served in the community Thanksgiving meals. Um, we've come to care together. Um, most of us have been trained so that we can serve in the prison ministries together. Um, so those are just a few ways that, that we've served together. Yep. And I know the, the, the prison ministry stuff, there's a couple of those coming up this year, and your community group can get involved in that and go together. But when you serve together, that's when you grow together. That's when you know you can kind of debrief about what happened afterwards, and I see these guys doing that all the time. Hey, um, how do your kids feel about coming to a community group? <laughs> they, um, they really love it. They are very disappointed when we don't get to meet, and it's the highlight of the week to get together. So. Yeah. I mean, and we share the same kids. <laughs> we do. And for us, Lathan, my, my son, Mondays, he's asking me if we're going to community group. Do we have community group? And if we say, no, nah, we're not meeting this week, it is, a, it, is a, it is a major, just it's a bummer to them. I mean, they do not like that. But on Sundays, as soon as, as, soon as they wake up, we have a community group tonight. Do we have community group? Whose house? Where are we going? It's an exciting thing for them. They, they, they really do love it. What, do, what are the friendships that you guys have formed in the group mean to you? To me, um, it means consistency because I can't have an intimate friendship with 900 people. It means a lot to me knowing that I can be with them and be me with them and vice versa. And I appreciate and I long for and I look forward to the prayers, their encouragement, and the support that they give me in the chaos of my life because that's something very special knowing that I have them in my life day in and day out. Um, have you guys, I've heard these guys describe themselves a lot with their group. We're just real. We're real. What do you mean by that? What, what, do, you, what do you mean by we're just real? Well, there's no expectation of perfection. We are not perfect. We don't pretend to be perfect. Get we, out of here. We, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I mean, we share our flaws, our brokenness. I mean, we just, we are just vulnerable and transparent about who we really are with one another. If you, I was going to put up some of their text threads, but that's too real. It is way too real for you guys to see some of those things that go on in those text threads. And to hear them on, on Sunday nights and just the things they talk about, it is real. It's, it's you know, what's going on. You know, I, I'm having problems raising, you know, our, our, our daughters, teenage daughters. We share in that a lot. So there's a lot of just real, raw kind of things that they're talking about that you can't get in a Sunday. I don't think, you know, growing up, I never saw that in Sunday school. I never heard those kind of conversations. It was so formatted and odd. I think sometimes in the in a Sunday school group, I can think of sometimes a mask would stay on. You know, like you you don't know if you can be vulnerable with these people. You don't know if you can can trust them to keep the confidentiality of of some of the things that you may want to share and talk about. And I know with these women that they know who I am and they know my real heart, and I can be me. And there is no judgment, you know. And it is just let's pray each other up and let's let's love each other no matter what. Hey, while you've got it, you know, Jen's our group leader. If, you were, if someone were wanting to start a group, what would you say to them? I mean, I would say just do it. If you feel like the Lord is, is prompting you to do that, um, do that. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to, to know everything. You don't have to be this biblical scholar to start a group. Just start a group and, and love people and study the Word together and pray together and just be there for people and do life together. So if God's telling you to do it, do it. And on that same line, if you were interested, if somebody's interested in joining a group but they haven't taken that step yet, what would you say? 
I would say to please embrace this opportunity. Um, it's here. It's in front of you. God wants you to be around others, whatever you may be going through. Um, he has a plan for you, and he has a group for you. I would also say to make it a priority. A million things can happen on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon, but make it a priority to get there, to just show up. If you can just show up, give it time, foster these relationships, it's, it's an amazing opportunity that Hope Community Church is offering us. Hey, what's the greatest benefit of the group? For who, what's the greatest benefit? The greatest benefit for me in this group is um, these girls hold me accountable. Um, there's a lot of things that I could be out doing, and I enjoy being with them more and more and more, and it's just a really consistent friendship that I really, really appreciate. Anybody else along those lines? Yeah, I would just, I would totally agree with that. Just the knowing that, like Jeremy was saying, our phones do go off nonstop, but just knowing that from, you know, 24 hours a day, if I need something, I can reach out to these girls, and, and they would in a minute be at my house if that's what I needed, or, um, you know, pray with me if that's what I needed, or pick my children up. I mean, whatever the need is, they're going to be there, and I know that without a doubt. Okay. Yeah, and, and just be patient with it. Don't, yeah. it. It doesn't happen immediately, so just, you know, pray about it, work at it. You know, just be willing to be open and let other people in your lives and your heart. Anybody else? Thank you guys so much for doing this. You guys give them a hand. It takes a lot of courage to come up and do that. And everybody say a thank you to the Lord that nobody vomited. It's always a good thing. Hey, now to your Bibles. That's kind of the isolation piece of this. Get off of the island of isolation if you feel that you have in your walk with Jesus You've sensed a decline. You sense that you're just not growing in the effectiveness in your life or the bigger. I encourage you. These guys have encouraged you. You need to get off of that island of isolation and in a group somewhere. Because, look, one more disciple in a community group is one less person trying to live out this thing called faith on their own. Um, go to Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray, I ask you, Lord, that you do only what you can do. God, teach us, inspire us, educate us, equip us, encourage us, Lord, in this moment. Lord, to further advance the gospel in our own lives, in this world. Lord, I pray that anyone here that has been trying to do this alone would find a group, Lord, anyone who has grown complacent, that they will regain their vigor this morning, Lord, for the kingdom and for your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I want to give you a little bit of a background of what we just read from Acts chapter 13, okay? Um, 
This is a pivotal point. Acts chapter 13 is a pivotal point not only in the history of the church, it is a pivotal point in the history of the world. I cannot overstate the importance of what we just read. To give it, John Piper, who I think is one of the greatest theologians of our day, he says this, the impact of Acts 13 can never be overstated. This moment of Acts 13 resulted in missions movements that would make Christianity the dominant religion of the Roman Empire within two and a half centuries and would yield 1.3 billion adherents of the Christian religion today. With a Christian witness in virtually every country around the world, 13 of the 29 books of the New Testament come as a result of what we have read here in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is huge. Huge. What we've seen in the book of Acts so far, a little bit of background here, Jesus had told his disciples, go to all the world, go into every nation and tell them about me. These disciples, these early disciples, they had obeyed that command to go to the, all the world, and we've watched the gospel begin to multiply and multiply. We notice in the first chapter of Acts that the gospel goes from 12 people to 120 people to 3,000 people to 5,000 people, and by A.D. 48, which is Acts chapter 13, by A.D. 48, just 18 short years after the resurrection of Jesus, we see that the church is probably estimated to be 50 to 100,000 disciples are in and around Jerusalem just because these disciples decided to do what Jesus told them to do. But this movement was mostly a Jewish movement. It was out of Jerusalem. There was mostly only the Jews had believed in Jesus and put their faith. But we learn in Acts chapter 11, we learn in Acts chapter 11 that these guys um, had heard that up in a place called Antioch, there were some new disciples. They heard that about 300 miles away, there were some new believers in this Jesus. There were new disciples of Jesus in this town called Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the province of Rome. It was a hub of trade and an intersection for Rome and the rest of the world. This is an important place. So upon hearing the news that there's new disciples 300 miles away, the church in Jerusalem sends a dude named Barnabas up there to kind of check it out. Barnabas checks it out and says, yes, indeed, there are disciples in Antioch, and there's a lot of them. So what Barnabas does is he goes up to a place called Tarsus, which is about 20 miles above Antioch, and he finds a dude named Paul, okay, who had converted to Christianity about 10 years before, and Barnabas knew him. He gets Paul and says, come down here to Antioch and help me disciple these new disciples. Help me to educate them and to encourage them in their faith. And they spend about a year there. What we know of from this church in Antioch, this church in Antioch, we know this, that they had rapidly grown in numbers and in influence. In fact, in Antioch, in chapter 13, this is the first time in the Bible where Christians are given the title Christian. It says that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christian. Now, for them to get this title, they must have been influential. There must have been a large group for the people of Antioch to give them this title. We know that this church of Antioch had grown significantly in number. We know that there was a lot of believers there. We know that this church in Antioch, though, is at a critical point. And I believe the Hope Community Church, we are at an Antioch moment. 
We're at Acts chapter 13, 2018. This church in Antioch had to decide, will they be passionate and zealous for the mission of which God had called them to? Or will they be self-satisfied with their own salvation and not carry this gospel to the ends of the earth? Will they stay where they are or will they send out? It's a pivotal moment here. Will they truly embrace that one more equals one less? Will they embrace that Jimmy Carter, the President of the United States, said this about complacency. I hate to see complacency prevail in our lives when it is so directly contrary to the teaching of Jesus Christ. We cannot be complacent, church. You cannot be complacent in your Christian walk. Your salvation saved you, yes, but God wants to use it to see generations and multitudes of people brought to faith in him. Here in chapter 13, we find a church in Antioch that is not complacent. They are not satisfied with what happened. They do not believe we have arrived. We have 900 on Sundays now. They don't believe that. Why do I know that? It's because when we read in 13, we find their leaders on their face. What a group of leaders this is, too. An eclectic group from all over. One's from Cyrene, 250 miles away. One is a black-skinned man that we believe is the one who carried the cross of Jesus. We've got one guy who is a part of Herod's family. Herod's, Herod's family, the same Herod that beheaded John the Baptist and was crucial in the crucifixion of Jesus. All these men, and Paul, Paul, what about Paul? A Christian killer, a hired assassin for Christians. They're all in the same room. What is it that unifies them? Jesus. They've all met. They're all unified around this man, Jesus, that saved them and changed them. But we find these leaders are not complacent. They are on their face. They could have been satisfied and said, we've made it. We've got a really good budget. We've got a lot of people coming. We're having some influence in the community, but they don't. I ask you, I beg you to pray for us. Pray for your leaders at HCC that we would never, ever think that we have made it, that we have landed. Please pray for us that we will always be launching the gospel into wherever it's not. Whether that's in Senegal, whether that's in Pokeville, whether that's in Shelby, whether that's on Dodge Street, or whether that's in your homes, pray that we will never be complacent as leaders. We find here that we know the entire church is not complacent because what is it that they are doing, y'all? What are they doing? It says here that while they were worshiping and fasting, while they were worshiping, hey, when I said the word worship, while they were worshiping, what did all of you think of? What did all of you think of? Music, right? They were singing. You think they had hazers on and lights going? Say, you think they had guitars? And, I don't know what they had. Here's what we know that the word means. Some of your versions are going to say they were ministering to the Lord. Some of your versions, some of your versions are going to say they were serving the Lord. The word that's used here is liturgy. Here's what they, they are serving. It says they are serving. They are fasting. What's fasting mean? It means that they are saying, God, we want to advance this gospel more than we want food. We are not satisfied with where we are so much, so we're going to show you that we are not even going to eat until we hear what it is next that you want us to do. These guys are craving for something awesome. And they're worshiping. Here, look, 
what would it, here's what they're, when, I, when it says they're worshiping, when they're serving, what can you give God that he doesn't already have? The Bible tells us that God can't be served by human hands. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills for crying out loud. What can you give him? You can give him your heart. You can give him your life. What if we came in here and our worship was us standing and singing and saying, God, here's my life. What do you want to do with me? Here's my heart. What do you want to do with me? That's a service we're offering up to him. How would it change things? What if we were known in our worship, not by what it was that we did, but that the mission that it called us to, that the mission in the world would be born out of the worship at HCC. Here's what we know also. It says that the Holy Spirit said, while they're doing this, the Holy Spirit spoke. Wouldn't it be awesome if every Sunday we come in here and when it's time to worship, what are we listening for? Maybe not so much the preacher, maybe not so much the music, maybe not so much the prayers, but we're listening for the Holy Spirit to speak. That if we come in here saying, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to give you my heart, I'm going to I'd take a Saturday and just fast. In fact, here's what we ought to do. Tonight, we ought to fast from 12 o'clock to 12 o'clock tonight for no TV. Kenny's going to lead the charge in that. <laughs> hey, that was a little better than the last one, don't you think? Yeah. Kenny's an Eagles fan. I'm trying to get him not to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> nah, go do whatever you need to do. But what if we did? What if we came in here and all we were doing was saying, God, we need to hear from you. We're seeking you. And, 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 and what happened in Antioch might actually happen in our lives. Because here's what happens. When they heard from God, it says that then they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Guys, their little worship service that day changed the planet. We're toppled. The Roman Empire flipped on upside down because these guys came into a worship service wanting nothing but to hear from God. And they heard from him. It says the Holy Spirit spoke. Listen, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, look, you send them off. Send them off. Let me tell you something. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Look, Barnabas and Paul... These guys that are being asked to sit off had crawled up in this church's life for the last year. They had got to know them. They had got to love them. I bet they were like, God, send some of those other people. Don't send these two. Right? Don't send those two. We need those two. Those two we cling to. How many of you guys have been a part of a church before in your life that when the pastor left, everybody left afterwards? It's called pastoral worship. And God despises it. These leaders were asked to be sent off. And it says that the church then prayed and fasted some more. And they sent them off to do the work. They didn't hold on to them, right? They knew that the gospel and the advancement of it was more to them than anything. This church was not complacent. They were not happy. No, we got a really good preacher and we want to keep him. Or we got really good preachers and we really want to keep them. Or we got a really good this and we really want to keep all that. They were willing to put everyone and everything on the table for the sake of the gospel. And that's when you know you're not complacent in your Christian walk. And they weren't. What if this happened in our worship service today? What if there's some Paul and some Saul's, I mean, some Paul's and some Barnabas's out here that would go back into wherever you're called to go? We would just send you off. What if the world would change? 
In Cleveland County alone, guys, there are 37,600 people lost. Confirm. Say they're lost. 37,000 in Cleveland County alone. We cannot reach them from this campus alone. I ask you to go back to your places where you live and pray that God will work a mighty work among the churches there. And that if so, he would call you. He would call you. Hey, here's how we avoid complacency in our life. Just like the island of isolation, we need to get off of that island and get into a community group. To avoid complacency, we need to do these three things. We need to worship God with everything we have. We need to offer up to him our bodies. It's a reasonable sacrifice I've read. We need to offer up to him what it is that we need to give him. Worship him. That'll avoid complacency. True worship. We need to hear from the Spirit. We need to hear from the Spirit. Tune your ear to what the Spirit is saying. Hope Community Church was born out of the Spirit speaking in creeks and in retreats in the middle of nowhere. And it can still be born that way today. Also, to avoid complacency, we must go. We must go. Wherever that means for you, go. Hope Community Church, I pray that we are never complacent in our walk. Let us do big, scary, aggressive things as a church because the glory of God deserves it. We've been singing a song since 2000, or 2000, in 2018 here called The Reckless Love of God. The Reckless Love of God. In that song, it talks about God, there's no shadow that you won't light up. There's no mountain that you won't climb up. There's no wall that you won't kick down, and there's no lie that you won't tear down. God chases after us. He'll fight till I'm found. My hope and prayer is that Hope Community Church has the reckless love of God in us. That there is no wall that you will not tear down. So that somebody else can hear about Jesus. That there's no lie that you won't tear down at your work place or in your home. None. That there is absolutely no place that you are not willing to go. That it's all on the table. It's all on the table for you to go and tell somebody about Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome that we would be known for our reckless love? Complacency is never reckless. It's always safe. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, in this uh, time... I can, I can picture in my mind these men in some room 2,000 years ago in praying like Sandy and Ray did with me this morning back in this back room. And Holy Spirit, you just whispered to them. I don't know how they did it, how they stood up before their church or before the 
congregation at Antioch and said, hey guys, the Spirit has said, I, I know how hard that must have been to leave the people that they loved and to go to a place that was scary. But Lord, I know this, that it wasn't safe. That your spirit was the fuel and you drove them. You continued to push them and you continued even through beatings and stonings, through ridicule. But God, the gospel advanced. It advanced. God, I pray for each of us that at the church that you've assembled here at this location, that we would constantly put ourselves in a position to where we're not alone, where we're not trying to do this alone because we're not meant to, and that we would constantly put ourselves in a position that we would not grow complacent. I pray that when we feel the atrophy of our spiritual muscles beginning to wane and weaken and the energy drained and the vigor gone, Lord, that we would be rejuvenated by services like this. Holy Spirit, that you would speak even in this next song as we stand, we would stand and even before maybe we sing a verse that we would say, hey God, take my life. Take my heart. And maybe, just maybe, Spirit, you'll show up again and you'll whisper and the world will be changed. I'm simple enough and childlike enough, I believe, to believe that. I anticipate and cannot wait to see what you're going to do in Jesus' name we pray, amen.